I'm very excited to share this recording with you guys, which happened at our conference, sasopen.com, with over 100 speakers, all founders of B2B SaaS companies. We have a very high bar for what speakers share on stage, so you're going to enjoy this episode where we dive deep into revenue graphs, real tactics, and real growth metrics. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Good morning, everyone. So show of hands. How many of you all satisfied three criteria in your companies? Bootstrapped, profitable, and over 100 million in valuation, probably maybe 15 million in ARR. Okay, so we got probably three or four hands. Okay. (laughs) So for everyone else, hopefully what I'm going to talk about next will inspire you to take the road less traveled. A proficon, I coined this word a few years ago because I was fed up of listening to all the unicorn stories. I said, we are profitable. No one writes about us in the media. We don't have venture capital. We don't have great investors uh, on, our, on our cap table. And so I, I, I thought about it and I came up with proficon to, as a counter to unicorn. So in a unicorn, you get a billion dollars valuation. Founders probably end up owning 10% of the company. That's 100 million. You build a proficon. You build a $100 million revenue uh, valuation company. If you own most of it, that's the same thing. And it's much easier to get to $15 million than probably $200 million. So I'm going to talk to you about two Proficons that I have done, both from India. The first one I sold for $100 million plus, And the second one, I'm still running, Netcore. We'll talk about that. That's $100 million in revenue. So... <clears throat> We'll, we'll go through all of this in the next 20 minutes. So this is Netcore's story. Uh, we are 25 years old. The first 10 years, we did not grow because I was running the business. And then I realized I am the bottleneck. I got a CEO. We'll talk more about that. So the growth journey really started from 2008. And this is in dollars. The Indian rupee, where most of our revenues come from, depreciates 3 to 4% every year. So the metric I like to use, uh, it's from a book, The Outsiders by William Thorndike, is price growth per share. And if I look at the last 10 years, the per share value of uh, Netcore has grown 25% CAGR. That's 10x in 10 years. So my first Proficon was India World. So I'd gone back um, after doing my master's from Columbia. I worked in the US two years, went back. My father had told me to do that because he had done the same in the 60s. He said, you're not staying in the US, you come back, do whatever you want here. So my decision to go back was made. First two and a half years after I went back, I failed at everything I tried. I thought I was God's gift to the world. You know, IIT, Bombay education, Columbia, US. And then I go back, fail, 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 fail. Luckily, um, I came, the internet was just about starting at that point of time. Um, uh, I recognized the problem of Indians in the U.S. wanting access to India news and other information. I had the same problem when I was living here and I wanted to go back. 
And so I thought the internet could be a great bridge of distance. That's where I started India World. Um, my wife and I, um, we had just got married. I had to shrink the previous company staff. I, I asked her to uh, arrange marriage, like happens in India. Uh, we barely knew each other. I said, why don't you come to work to, and uh, work with me? Because I don't have to pay you. I don't have too much money. So um, probably the best decision I made. For 30 years, we've been working together. Um, so India World uh, started as a bunch of internet portals out of India, uh, targeted at Indians uh, outside of India. Um, we were the first, started very close to the time Yahoo and eBay did. And I sold it five years later for $115 million, 166 times revenue. And like Nathan said, if I had probably been a few years, a few months late, I don't know what we would have got out of it. But what's fascinating is how in the space of one month, my valuation went from 13 million, 1.3, to 1.15. So a, a, a VC had just uh, decided not to invest at 13 million. I'd signed the, I'd signed the term sheet. It was on the VC's uh, table. They had to just sign. We had done three months of due diligence. And then he says, look, I'm, we are investing 4 million, but you know, everyone's else raising a lot of money. You need 8 million. We are not going to invest another uh, uh, additional 4 million. Go find someone. I said, where do I find someone now? I thought, I was very depressed. I said, this is like the end. Everyone's raising money. And then a month later, okay, there's something good which comes out of everything. If that signature had happened, my life would have probably taken a very different turn. Um, a month later, I've sold. Now, the trick was two things. First, I had a banker. I had one of India's best bankers on my side. Um, so when you're doing deals, it's worth that extra 2-3% to get the best banker that you can. Makes a world of difference. As founders, we are just unable to negotiate. My banker told me, you talk about India world and then keep your mouth shut. We'll do the rest. <laughs> and then the second thing was, they got two bidders with plenty of cash wanting to buy Netcore. One was a US bidder, one was an Indian company which had just uh, done, an IPO, done an IPO on NASDAQ. And that was like we saw in probably some part of 2021. Money was free at that time. So they said, whatever money we need, we can raise it from NASDAQ. So they bought us for 115 million. That day, their stock price, Ziffy, were listed on NASDAQ. Their stock price went up a billion dollars. And in fact, in the three months after the deal, the stock kept going up. It went up about 7 billion. They did a secondary offering to raise another 150 million at very small dilution. So I got paid. Uh, most of it was all cash. So at age 32, I ended up with 115 million. Um, thank you. <laughs> after almost five years of failure after failure, right? you never know the outcome when you're running a business. So the next day when I wake up, I mean, it wasn't easy for us to sell it. Okay, my wife and I had put in five years of work. We were 20 people out of a small office uh, in Mumbai. And um, uh, uh, the person leading the bank, uh, uh, Hemendra Kothari, uh, DSP Merrill Lynch in India, he said, Rajesh, I, I was having some doubts still. I said, look, you know, we've put five years of blood and sweat building this business. He said, Rajesh, more important than knowing when to enter a business is knowing when to exit. He said, this is the perfect time You'll get the money, you have freedom, you're a person of ideas, do whatever you want in life. Very prescient words, and that's what I've done for the last 25 years, we'll talk more about that. The next day morning, uh, I wake up, uh, and my wife says, Bhavna, she says, 
you are not going to think about the money in the bank. Because if you think about it, you will never do anything again in life. The past is over. Get back to being an entrepreneur. Get back and start afresh. And that was the origin of Netcore. <coughs> so Netcore, I launched in just about uh, uh, 98, 99. We just started a small separate entity because we are doing tech rather than portals. And uh, we initially grew doing SMS and email services in India. And this is, by the way, after the 10 years where we did not grow. So I'll leave that aside. It's all there on my blog. I'll talk about that later. We generated cash. Because we are doing enterprise services, we generated surplus cash. I realized I was the problem, so I got a CEO. Um, and once I got the CEO, I said there only has to be one leader in the company. It cannot be me. It's the CEO. So even if I disagree, I have to tell the CEO privately rather than uh, publicly because a company cannot run with two power centers. And then... Uh, we started investing in geographical and product expansion. So through the last 15 years, we've plowed back all that we have made into either expansion or in acquisitions. Um, we acquired three companies. Two were small, tuck in tech acquisitions, because that's the faster way to really expand the product uh, that you're doing. And then uh, we had a very large acquisition that we did unboxed. Uh, again, all from internal accruals, uh, close to $100 million last year. Um, again, we paid cash uh, for the business. Uh, it solves the problem of site search. Uh, and we then uh, we expanded globally. So this is Netcore's stack uh, today. So we had started with email and SMS at the top. We built customer engagement on our own for B2C companies. And then we added personalization, product experience search, all through acquisitions. So we built the full stack, mix of organic and inorganic. And uh, uh, then combined that with some investments that we made. So the idea is this idea of a constellation of companies. So again, using some of our cash to invest in adjacent areas to help with uh, fulfilling all the needs of a marketer with fewer touch points, fewer uh, products. This is geographical expansion. We started in India. And then we went to Southeast Asia, Middle East, and the last few years, a couple of years, we've working to expand in US and Europe. Uh, today, uh, Netcore is, like I said, 100 million. Um, uh, close to 90 million of our revenue comes from India and emerging markets, 10 million uh, from the US. So the India emerging markets gives us a very solid cash stream, uh, which can then we are using to invest for expansion in US uh, and uh, Europe. This expansion is very important because the U.S. market is 50 to 100 times larger than India. So while the India market gives us a great advantage, we have wonderful marketers who are willing to tell us what's wrong with our product. We are close to them, so we build that out. They are mobile-first companies, very large companies now. Probably India and U.S. are the two largest, fastest-growing markets uh, globally uh, from a future uh, potential point of view. And then now the goal is to take that and, and sell it uh, U.S. and India. So we have the advantage of a back-end product development, back-end support with a thin, thin um, front-end in the US. What IT services companies have done for many years, we want to do it from the product side. Okay, so next, the three, uh, what, what I call the DNA, really, of Netcore. The first one is profitable growth. And uh, I've never raised capital in my life. I've tried many times. A few years ago, I tried to raise PE funding. And that was the time when uh, people, uh, the PEs basically said, look, uh, uh, we want more growth. We won't want your profits. And I said, the profitable growth is one thing I will not compromise on. 
The same PEs are now talking to me again saying we love your profitable growth. That's life. The second is this idea of an infinite mindset. Simon Sinek's phrase that if you control your own destiny, you own, I mean, in our case, 75%. I'll talk about that. 25% is employees. If you own your own destiny, while you should worry about quarter by quarter, you also can take the long view. What does the world look like in two, three years? What's What's changing? What are the new marketing trends which are there? You're not worried about sending MIS statements to some analyst at a, at a VC or PE fund who's going to come and raise five questions about some decimal points that you probably missed out on. The third is employee centricity. I'll talk about that. I have a 3B framework which I sort of use in my company that you have to balance today and tomorrow. So there is the BAU, business as usual, that has to be done better and better. Okay, So that's your daily, monthly um, rigor, discipline, because you can't compromise that. That's what's going to generate the money which you can then invest into the future. The second is, and especially this is important for all of us as founders, is what are the boosters in a business? What are those next horizons that you can look at, which will give you the, the next sort of uh, product uplift, whether it's, a, it's an ac- acquisition, whether it's a, a tuck in tech acquisition, whether it's a new geog- geography that you need to expand. You've got to keep thinking, what, where, the, where is the growth coming next year uh, beyond uh, the immediate one? And then there are the big breakthroughs. Which, what is the partnership? What is that uh, a big acquisition that you can look at doing, which can completely change the trajectory of the future business? So it's sort of similar to what McKinsey calls the three horizons. I think the three Bs is how I look at it. Um, and as a founder, I think if you can delegate some of the BAU stuff to um, uh, some of the other leaders, it gives you more time to think about boosters and breakthroughs because there are tons of competitors who are out to kill you. Okay, so you've got to keep thinking about what you're going to do next. Then the future is about how do, in the words of Jim Collins, how can we build an enduring great company? So a few in between, I'd spent about seven years on the periphery of Indian politics uh, Netcore kept growing through those years, different experience for me. Um, and uh, when I came back, I told my CEO that, look, you know, whenever you, you get bored running the business, um, you can sell. We'll, we'll sell it. And then a funny thing happened. Last two, three years, pandemic, I started having conversations with marketers, and I fell in love back with my own company. And then I said, look, we've done all the hard work. We've built it to this level. Now, let's take it to greater levels. You know, let's build a global company, our global products company headquartered in India. So the CEO decision, uh, which I mentioned earlier, I think is a very important one in a, in a business because you have to look at what you are good at. As founders, uh, as, a, as a founder, I just don't like reporting to people reporting into me. So I realized that early on, and that's where I brought in a CEO who could worry about the day-to-day, which gives me time and freedom to look at new ideas, um, to look at what's coming in, what's coming tomorrow. Because as founders, you know, half of us, half of our lives is about imagining the future. Um, at this stage, we are also looking at how we can look at PE and uh, uh, IPO possibilities down the line. We'll see about that. And I think there's a great opportunity now with what's happening, you know, with uh, with the slowdown which is coming, with companies distracted with layoffs, and with a lot of changes like generative AI to reset industries. So I'm going to uh, talk about two ideas. This idea of ad waste that in, in the MarTech industry, as opposed to ad tech and B2C. Um, uh, and in ad tech, actually, there's, there's a lot of, there's $200 billion of waste you know, in reacquisition and wrong acquisition. 
And if we can shift focus from new customers to existing customers, it opens up a 5x bigger TAM for, com for brands focused on existing customer relationships. That's really the only way brands can build profitable businesses. So it's what I call Profit Excel. How can we go out and supersize profits for brands? Um, I'll be writing about this on my blog uh, very soon. Uh, then the other idea is what I call all in email. And there's a great opportunity to transform email. Very little innovation in email. So how can you use new technologies and not just one innovation which can be copied by someone else, but how can you layer two innovations or three innovations together which makes it harder for someone else. So imagine your inbox emails in your Gmail okay, with no landing pages, no click-throughs. Conversion funnel moves right into the email. It's an incredible breakthrough. We are seeing 10 times uh, increase in actions that uh, uh, of, of, of consumers interacting with such mails in India. I mentioned about employee centricity. Uh, we've had 25% stock options uh, in Netcore since 2007. So employees are a very integral part. Um, so we look at employees, not investors as our shareholders. And we've introduced uh, uh, perpetual buyback. So we every year, every six months, I set a price, which is of course lower than probably the external value. Um, when we give out ESOPs, so if someone leaves today or down in the future, they can get the difference. So the ESOPs are not illiquid for them. So there's perpetual liquidity. We started this six months ago. We have done a couple of buybacks also. So this is uh, very useful for employees. doesn't put pressure on us uh, to do an IPO in uh, not so good markets. So we've seen a lot of stuff in the last uh, 18 odd minutes. A um, couple of things uh, to end with. You know, in my 30 years as an entrepreneur, I've succeeded two times, I've failed 30 times. So that's an average of one a year. Failure is never easy. Every failure, I should have, when I look back, I should have ended it, ended that thing much earlier. I didn't listen to other people. So three thoughts for you. The first one is, the life of an entrepreneur, and you have to be ready for it, I'm sure a lot of you all are running this, is mountains beyond mountains. You're climbing one mountain, you see a next one. Sometimes when you're climbing a mountain, you slip. And you have to then climb back up. And you have to like that feeling. That's a phrase from Dan Bricklin. Second is the crux. This is from um, Richard Drummond's book, The Crux. So when you're facing challenges, I think he has a very simple idea. What are the most important challenges you are facing? Pick the one which is the most doable. You know, that's really what you've got to focus on. That's what's going to help you take your company to the next level. And third is to long-form writing. Okay, I'm not, I don't do much on Twitter or uh, uh, LinkedIn, but I write a blog. I've been writing for almost 20 years. The seven years when I was doing my political stuff, I did not write. I started back in the pandemic. Every day, I publish every day. Uh, 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 write my eponymous with my name, rajeshtain.com. There's got a lot of writings on marketing, entrepreneurship, India. Uh, I have a book coming out later this year. So hopefully, Startup to Proficon by the same name. Thank you. <laughs>